0: everybody welcome back to the retro futurist culture podcast tonight we're going to be talking about a very awesome near and dear great film based on a great property we're going to be talking about the 2012 version of dread based on the 2000 ad comic book series judge dread tonight i have a very special guest i have my good friend and buddy mr fenrir who is my co-host on the adultgamer.com podcast, or what we affectionately refer to as the tag cast. Mr. Finn, how are you doing today?
1: I'm wonderful, man. It's, it's so fun to be on a show and not have to do the other parts of it. So I get to sit back and just enjoy the ride a little bit. So thank you for having me on. I you know, I love talking movies with you, and I this movie is a fun one, so I can't wait to really dive deep into it. Yeah, me too. And just a quick note, if you are enjoying this podcast here
0: on Retro Futurist Culture, please check out our other podcasts on ruminationsradionetwork.com. I'm sure you'll find something that'll strike your fancy or maybe something that'll enrage you and uh, cause you to link us on Twitter and have all kinds of fun. Either way, it'll be a good time. (laughs) Uh, With that being said, uh so yeah, Dread 2012. Uh you know, this is one of those movies fan that I feel like it almost gets better every time I watch it. I catch little things. It was really well crafted. Um before we get too much into that though, um how did you discover this movie or anything about this character? Cuz the character's been around a lot longer than the movie.
1: So I remember my dad wa- was watching the original movie uh, that came out when I was, like, 95. Whoa. Okay. Like, <laughs> this is not an age thing. Like This was just a different... I just remember no, him.
0: I'm just like... I saw that one in the theater, and I, it still cuts me. But anyway, yeah. continue.
1: Okay. So I just remember him watching it, and like I just... I watched it with him at you know very, like I was halfway paying attention to it, so I just was like whatever you know. I, I remember the helmet, I remember you know Stallone's face, you know bottom half of his face through it, and, and that and that was pretty much it from that movie. Like I don't really recall much about it, right? And I think I've seen it like once like that version of the movie once or twice since then, but I again it's just like my brain doesn't process that movie for some reason. Uh so when this movie got a trailer dropped, I saw it and I was like, "Uh eh,
0: eh,
1: I'm going to skip this one in the theater." So I missed it and uh when I saw Carl Urban Carl Urban was doing it, I thought, "Ooh." This is the guy that played Bones in the like most recent Star Trek, you know, the Yeah, the JJ JJ yeah. E Star Trek. I don't know mm-hmm. how he's gonna be Judge Dredd. So I I like I said I skipped it. And then a couple of friends of mine were telling me that this movie was very much like The Raid, the uh that uh Japanese movie, right? Um uh, or what am I mixing technically up? Technically,
0: it's Indonesian. Indonesian, Filip- okay. Indonesian Filipino, yeah, yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> but well, but they told me it was very much like that, and I was like, "Well, I actually kind of enjoyed that movie." So let me get my Netflix DVD queue going, and uh, why don't you send that out there to me? And so I watched it, and I and I was really impressed. I I really enjoyed it. I was like, okay, here. I can't believe I waited this long on this movie. So, yeah, it was definitely, you know, a movie I did not have faith in originally. And now I'm pretty stoked about this movie from 10 years ago. I wish we'd get a sequel to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's probably never going to happen. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I was a lot... Younger than you when I probably first encountered the character, my uh, savage interest in heavy metal is actually what introduced me to Dread. It was being, uh, I was a little metal kid and the thrash band Anthrax had a song called I Am The Law, which is an entire song about this character. Um, And the band Anthrax were super comic book nerds. Um, And uh, so I would go to the local comic book shop that stocked Comics and they had just started releasing, um, like an anthology reprint of the Judge dread the 2080 reprint. So I was, I would pick those up once in a while because they were fun. Um, but it was a little over my head at the time. I was about 12 mm-hmm. and the s- satire of the comic was a little too much. Um, but the movie came out, a uh, the 1995 movie with Stallone came out a few years later, and I was really excited because the trailers look cool. Physically, he looked just like the character with the suit on. The suit looked just like the, the motorcycle. Visually, there were a lot of cool things. Yeah. And then when you watch that original movie, they strip all that away pretty quickly, and the movie kind of meanders a lot. So it's that that 1995 movie, I don't consider worth rewatching. So when I heard they were doing another one, I was pretty excited, um, especially cause I heard that he wasn't going to take off the helmet and I was like, yes, that's the way it should be. And, uh, I was kind of skeptical about Carl Urban, but he proved himself like really well. I mean, that guy, seriously, that guy's going to go down like so many other like ca- actors that can play all of these various characters, um. He's just amazing. Yeah, he uh, is. I didn't get to see it in the theater for whatever reason it didn't screen anywhere near me that I can remember or if it did it was like really fast and it was gone. As soon as the Blu-ray came out though, I picked it up. Um I think I might have ordered it from Amazon and got it day one. Um and I really enjoyed it. I think the uh it was really well done. I'm just going to read a quick blurb on the story so Dread 2012 Mega City One is a vast, violent metropolis where felons rule the streets. The only law lies with cops called judges who act as judge, jury, and executioner. And Dread, who's played by Carl Urban, is one of the city's most feared. One day, Dread is partnered with Cassandra, a rookie with powerful psychic abilities. A report of a terrible crime sends Dread and Cassandra to a dangerous area controlled by Mama who's played by Lena Headley. She's great. A yes. drug lord who will stop at nothing to protect her empire. Um, yeah, I I thought the way that the opening of the movie starts and Carl Urban as Dread is kind of narrating what's going on and Mega City One is basically the eastern seaboard of the United States yeah. is the only safe place to live because there was a fallout with all this war and everybody's packed into these uh, mega city like giant high rise apartments didn't they say um, like
1: it runs from like the city runs from like new york city to washington dc like I yeah that distance is one massive city a seat city wow there we go. City. Yeah. Words are hard. Yep. <laughs>
0: um, the film was directed by Pete Travis and written and produced by Alex Garland, who would go on to do a number of other things. And there's a lot of talk that Alex Garland actually ghost directed quite a bit of the movie um, himself. Uh, that's on some of the behind the scenes info I was I was working with. Um, overall, what did you think about the uh, the direction of the
1: movie, Finn? I thought it was well done. I mean, they did a really good job of blending a lot of the effects and, and the scenes together in a way that just kind of made sense because it was very much, a, you know, like I go back to that, the whole movie about the raid, right? It was very much like they started at the bottom and they had to work their way to the top of the tower, uh, not trying to reference drake here at all but you know they it it made sense and they had a great story and they had a great you know connection with all the the cgi the practical effects all those things just seemed to work really well with each other throughout the entire movie uh i was it's interesting to me that i didn't know the fact about or not the fact but the the rumor of garland ghost directing several of several parts of the movie right and you know that could easily like wreck a movie right having somebody kind of doing things on the side possibly
0: but I think he was really the kind of passion behind the film I feel like it was his screenplay he loved the character um I think there were some conflicts with the uh with Pete Travis and Garland and the studio and this was at a time where, for some reason, these companies were hell-bent that 3D movies were going to be the next thing. So this was a movie that was shot all mm-hmm. on these really cumbersome, large 3D cameras. And it, it was interesting to watch the behind-the-scenes and talk about like how they had to set up shots because the cameras were big. They couldn't use handhelds. Like And that's actually part of the charm of this movie is the fact since they couldn't do that, there isn't any steady cam shots, it's just really well placed shots, panning shots, low angle shots, like really well directed I feel like um it just really tells the story and speaking of which let's go into this story and just kind of we'll as we'll piece out our favorite scenes and talk about like moments that that uh that we appreciate or that we think stand out from. This film. Uh, so, according to um, the movie, it's 2080. The United States is a dystopic post nuclear war wasteland known as the Cursed Earth. It's a perfect subject for the RFC. <laughs> On the yeah. East Coast lies Megacity One, a violent metropolis with 800 million residents and 17,000 serious crimes reported daily. The only force for order are the judges who act as judge, jury, and executioner. Judge Dredd is tasked by the chief judge with evaluating a new recruit, Cassandra Anderson, a powerful psychic who marginally failed the aptitude test to become a judge. Um, There's a great scene before, you know, Dredd's uh, he does the opening narration kind of explaining mega city. And then he's out on a call and uh some perps are getting high on a drug that that we come to find is slow one there's these great shots when the convicts or the the users are using the drug the Mm -hmm. camera's like super slow (laughs) they're like it's like super slow when they see him he's like it's a judge and you know dread tries to do the Normal thing and just arrest these guys, but they're high and they kill a, uh, a civilian, a pedestrian civilian. And then Dread says, "I'm going to take them out." And uh, so it's cool because in this opening, we get to see how good of a, you know, badass Dread is. Yeah, I mean, he single handedly takes these guys out with his with his awesome motorbike that has
1: machine guns and just his skills. Well, can I like? this scene is awesome, but there is like a story piece to it that really kind of gets under my crawl with this. So these criminals can shoot at the judge, right? And he, Mm -hmm. he doesn't do anything in retaliation to him until they run over a civilian. Then he finally goes, I'm taking him down. And then he, you know, the motorbike gets the guns out and shoots out the tires and it flips over. And, but I'm like, so you can't, like, I was just like, it just, that was the one thing in this entire movie that really got me going, like, so they can shoot at you, but you can't, you won't retaliate. He's it's-
0: probably used to getting shot at.
1: Fair. A <laughs> Fair. liar. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, that's
0: interesting that you say, I don't even think that registered to me. Yeah, um
1: it was just like But that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he didn't even bother, like he was like just chasing them, and then all of a sudden they, you know, kill kill this innocent bystander who walks out into the street and now he's like, I'm taking him down. And boom, flips the van over, two of the guys dies, and he chases them into the like the mall where this guy continues to go on his killing spree. And like one of the first big notes I I took was when he got in the mall is like talking about the gun that they carry around with them, the, the mm-hmm. sidearm. And yeah, like that was such a cool introduction to the technology that they have. Like, sure. The bike is cool. And, you know, we've seen like James Bond have guns in the car before. So like, that wasn't so surprising to me, but like then him just being like hot shot. Yeah.
0: The, the law that the judges yes. get, um, It carries like four to five different types of ammo. It's it's handprint registered to the user, which comes in later to the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and it's very very uh, powerful hand cannon. I mean that come that goes all the way back to the original comic, and even the hot shot ammo that he uses in that scene goes back to those original AD comics. So yeah, that's that's really cool. So. You know, he takes these guys in and then dispatcher says, Dred, you need to come back to base. Uh the chief wants to see you about something. And that's when the chief tells him about um Cassandra. And there's a there's a little scene here when the ch Jud- Dred comes into the office with the chief, and Cassandra is on the opposite wall through a through a mirror glass. Like they can see her, but she can't see them. And the chief judge is asking Cassandra, uh, how many people are in here? And she says, Two and cassandra can sort of see that um judge Dredd isn't a normal person yeah. they don't really go into the backstory in this movie but he is he is anything but a normal human um if you've read the comics and maybe at the end i'll go into a little bit of spoilers when we get into the sor- source material but for now it's just uh, that shows how powerful cassandra who's cassandra anderson who in the comics her and dread become something a little bit more mm-hmm. than what we see in this film well Uh, but they get a remember like I'm sorry go on I was just
1: say remember how like the she's like reading dread and as she's like starting to like dig deep the chief's like that's enough like she knew yeah because the chief knows dread is not he's not normal so you know does that make you think that dread doesn't know he's not normal or like, I'm just curious. Cause I, I know oh, he, he knows. Okay. I, he knows he's not normal, <laughs> but I was like, does he know like why he's not normal? Like, do you think that is there? Or do you think she cut him off? I don't,
0: I, so in this film, I couldn't tell you.
1: Yeah. Maybe. Yeah.
0: But, um, if you want later, we get into sure. the backstory a little yeah. bit. Um, yeah. So she tells dread, you're going to take her out. Um, on an evaluation and see if she has the muster because she didn't quite pass the test, but the chief judge thinks that Anderson could be really useful because she's a psychic and that could help fight crime.
1: Three points below the mark.
0: Right. Three points below the mark. So they, they go out uh, on a bike and this is the only time you see Anderson wear her helmet. She puts on her helmet and they get a, you know, there's calls going out and, and uh, Dredd tells Anderson, call it rookie. And, and she says, well, let's go to Peachtree's. And Dredd says, we'll take Peach Trees." So they go to Peachtree's, which is this giant 200-story slum tower. Um, when they get there, they find these three drug dealers who are dead. Uh, in the middle of the courtyard, they'd been skinned alive, infused with slow-mo and thrown over the side because they messed up. Um, they double-crossed. Uh, Mama, who's played by Lena Headley. Um, they're sent to investigate. They uh, learn of a drug den which they raid and they arrest a thug named Kay, who's one of Mama's like, lieutenants. And Anderson um, can read his thoughts and, and says, This is one of the guys that carried out these executions. Dred says, We're going to take him in. Um, and we get a little shot of, uh, mama's got a guy who is, uh, played by Dama. Dama. Dama I'm going to mess up his name. Who's the kid from uh, star Wars. I not Gleason. Anyway, he, <laughs> he's like a computer hacker and he sees the security camera and he sees that, uh, there are judges there and he tells mama. So mama has him set up, a fake call so they can lock down the building so that any calls in to the judges will be ignored. And they basically lock in this whole building locking Anderson and Dred inside and no help from outside um, to prevent the judges from leaving or summoning help. And then Mama orders her gang or anybody in the building, she basically gets on the intercom and says anybody that can kill them do it uh, please do yeah. yeah so they have to fight through dozens of people and like you said it's kind of like the raid They they go their way through floors and i mean dread is a trained killing machine anderson's a psychic they both have this really uh more combat-esque body armor that I like. I actually prefer the design of the 2012 movies body armor even more than the original comic. Like the original comic, it was cool, but it was really kind of gaudy and yeah. bulky. And the two, the 1995 movie is based exactly on that with that, those giant shoulder pads. You couldn't move in that yeah. stuff. I actually think the 2012 movie did a better job of like realistically what these guys would wear. It's more like combat armor. Um, They fight through many of them, and uh, you know they're able to take an elevator to get up, skip a lot of floors. It's kind of like a, a a warp level skip yeah. in a video game. <laughs> they they get some information from a woman that uh, Judge Anderson feels bad about because she took out that woman's husband. But they use a uh, elevator to get up to the seventy sixth floor, and then Mama has like Gatling guns. She's trying to kill. She's she's going to the point where she'll kill anybody, yep. even the other people in the building, to try and kill the judges.
1: Um, I mean, she wrecked like reaches an and, entire side of the building, right? Yeah, destroyed. Yeah, them. like
0: an entire block of that inside that mega structure. Uh, but it does knock a hole through the wall to the outdoor skate park, uh, which gives Dred and uh, Anderson time to call for backup. And then uh, Mama sends her henchman Caleb to search for the judges. And when they meet, we don't even see this. Like she sends him, and then the next scene we see is you see Dread coming out to the atrium like balcony, and you see him just throw yeah. Caleb off of the tower in full view. And uh, I gotta say, like Carl Urban's facial expressions and and. Part of the magic with this is that whenever the camera's on Dread, they kind of zoom in more onto his mouth because he's wearing the helmet the whole time. So you can't really see his eyes. You can't really see his nose, but you can see his mouth and Carl Urban does a really good job of these grimaces Mm -hmm. and these growls. And when he talks and I just, he just nailed the character. I think in a way that, uh, you know, I wasn't expecting um uh, and I'm really
1: just stoked with how it turned out. Yeah, I wrote down permafrown. You know, like <laughs> he does he probably was sore yeah. the first
0: couple weeks of shooting holding that frown and he <laughs> may have like permanently trained some of those facial muscles or at least for a while because yeah, he really does do a good job of
1: having that scowl. I mean, I went and Um, looked up, like, I even Googled, like, a side-by-side comparison of, uh, like, Stallone and him, and, you know, it, they both kind of pulled it off pretty well, uh, and just, like, keeping the lips straight, frowned, you know, kind of tense the entire time, you know, kind of as if you, you know, you're just, like, you know, clenching those butt cheeks to, you know, keep it in there just a little longer, so... (laughs) <laughs> you know, right? It was, it was, yeah, you're right. He, they definitely made a point to keep it on the lower half of his face whenever they were showing him. You know, like you never really saw yeah, the top of And the they helmet. even like they zoom in good. Yeah. And like his body
0: language, like uh on the behind the scenes in the Blu ray, it talks about he, he, he trained like a beast and did like, you know, various police and special forces training to get those movements down. He just, he just nails it um so Dred suspects that mama's desperate to keep kay quiet and beats him for information anderson reads kay's mind and learns that peach trees is the center of the slow-mo production and distribution it's also a freaky scene where you know kay tries to freak anderson out yeah <laughs> right there i won't spoil any of that but that's a that's a funny moment or it's a fun time Uh, Anderson suggests that they hide while waiting assistance, but Dred insists they move up the tower
1: and pursue Mama. That was a fun Um, exchange there. (laughs) You're the mind reader. Yeah. (laughs) Judges
0: Two judges show up. Volt and Guthrie respond to Dred's call, but the uh, computer expert played by Dominic Gleason. That's him from Star Wars Episode 7-8. I don't know if he made it into 9. Um, this poor computer guy, and he's got like robotic eyes, and you could tell that Mama has tortured this this poor hacker. Um, says the security system's malfunctioning, and he can't let the judges in. A pair of young kids, armed teens, confront Dredd and Anderson, allowing Kay to disarm and overpower Anderson. Kay then escapes with her as hostage and takes her to Mama's base. Uh, in a cool bit where they show that Dread isn't a complete total killing machine, uh, when he disarms those kids, he uses like a stun, mm-hmm. like a stun shot from the lawgiver, and not, not a killing shot. I thought that was a neat touch.
1: Yeah, they got to go in those uh, juvie ISO cubes.
0: ISO cubes, yeah. <laughs>
1: Everybody gets sentenced to
0: ISO cubes, which it made me think of the cubes from Demolition Man, yes. which then just tied a lot of stuff together again. <laughs> um, while Dread works his way towards Mama, she she calls in a a favor, or not even a favor, but she she has she knows some dirty judges, and she's going to buy them off. Lex Kaplan, Chan, and Alvarez, the four, relieve Volt and Gunther from duty and are allowed into the building. Dread encounters Chan is and is suspicious because you know Dread says two of us called in the ten twenty four and Chan doesn't say anything. Um, so Dread takes him out in a pretty wild way.
1: Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> Let's not spoil
0: it. Let's leave that for, I, for people all. I will enjoy. say is
1: that is a way I definitely don't want to go out. Like no, yeah that that looks like it hurts a lot. Yes. <laughs> uh
0: meanwhile Kay tries to execute anderson with her own weapon he's oh. very excited he says i've always wanted one of these you really messed up he goes to point and the pistol reveals up oh, dna does not match and the pistol blows up and explodes like in the lower part of his forearm oh god yeah um and then anderson does a really nice backspin kick and kicks him over she escapes and later encounters uh, Kaplan, who's the female judge, and she reads her mind right away and promptly takes her out. Uh, Dred kills Alvarez, but runs out of ammunition, and he is subsequently subsequently shot and injured by Lex. Um, there's a great little scene there where you know he shoots Dread through a wall with armor-piercing round, and 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 Carl Urban's acting uh, this he slides down that wall with a way that I don't know if anybody else could pull that off. It, it looked like it hurt a lot. <laughs> oh yeah. And then he tells Lex to wait. Yeah. A bit. And then this is another one of those hints where dread is larger than life and, and more than any of these other judges. And Lex is like, Oh, the great judge dread is going to ask me to wait, wait for what, you know, wait for you to finish your speech. Wait, he's got this whole long yeah. thing. And then, and then you see the bullets hit him and judge, Dredd says, no, wait for her to kill you.
1: (laughs) Isn't it like like bad guy 101, though, to have some monologue about something? Oh, yeah. And so... Yeah, (laughs)
0: it wouldn't be a a film
1: without it. Right. (laughs) I mean, yeah, like, that whole thing was like, the great Judge Dredd's last words are going to be (laughs) wait. Like, you're right. It does show how much of a big deal this dude is. Like, he's a bad mother effer like he goes out there and he he lays the law down he is the law right so There yeah there's also that great part where he uh and
0: i think oh it, it was it was when they're working their way up and he gets on one of the microphones and he says mama's not the law i am the law it's <laughs> like yes because yes. <laughs> that's like a classic judge dread yep. saying he always says that um so they get up to where the computer hacker is and Anderson reads his mind and she lets him go. And Dred's like, What abating a felon is an automatic fail. And she's like, Well, I already failed when I lost my gun and he's innocent. And if I'm gonna do anything to change the world, it's gonna be letting that guy go. And she's like, I got the code from him anyway. So they got the code to enter mama's room, which was under uh like a security vault. And Mama tells Dred that if she dies, a device on her wrist will detonate explosives on the top floors, destroying the building. Dredd's not worried, reasoning that the detonator signal will not reach the explosives from the ground f- floor. Dred shoots her in the arm, <laughs> takes her down, forces her to inhale slow-mo, and then throws her down the atrium to her death, which is, like, pretty brutal. Yeah, But, I mean... That's why they're called judges. They're judge, jury, and executioner, how they see fit. Um, In the aftermath, Anderson accepts that she has failed her evaluation by getting disarmed and leaves. The chief judge then asks Dredd about Anderson's performance. He responds that she's a pass. And the chief judge says, I thought so. And uh, that's where the movie ends. And God damn it they had i know alex garland had two more scripts like to do a trilogy and i'm sad that we'll probably never see those and i know that carl urban like you know really championed he said yeah i'll do it i'll do it anytime and then there were rumors of a netflix series or some sort of web yeah, series I remember and that. that never happened and at this point it's been almost 10 years since this movie came out and at this point i don't think we're going to see a sequel The only thing I could see is that maybe if we get a Dread series in the future, uh, they'll probably have to recast Dread because at this point, Carl Urban's probably
1: 50 plus. Well, and he's full on in the boys now, so.
0: Right. Well, but I just mean like age wise, there's a certain age, you know, Daniel Craig just finished being James Bond for, you know, 12 years because he's he's over 50. It's hard to be an action star Mm -hmm. past a certain age um it's just a lot of performance that goes into those rules um and with that being said let's take a quick station identification break so you guys can hear about other awesome shows on ruminations radio network thanks for checking us out we'll be right back Hey, kids,
1: it's Don Shinhan from the Cinephile Hissy Fit, one of the podcasts on the Ruminations Radio Network. If you've been enjoying this show, come listen to Will Johnson and I fight it out over cinema's best and worst on Cinephile Hissy Fit. Find us and all the great shows over on ruminationsradionetwork.com.
0: Hey, welcome back to Retro Futurist Culture. We are talking about the 2012 movie Dread starring Carl Urban. With me is Fenrir, co-host of the tag cast at theadultgamer.com. All right, Fen, we broke down the story. We talked about some favorite moments. Let's talk about like our more favorite moments, quotes, and let's talk about the characters and maybe the uh, source material. Uh, I can get into that a little bit. But uh, what were your favorite, favorite characters, favorite parts? What, what are things that you really dig about this film? All right, so I'm
1: gonna like talk about the drug, the slow mo drug that the slow mo, yeah, Yeah. like because that stuff was that's a wild trip, right? It it slows your brain down to processing information at one (laughs) percent speed, right? Yeah. (laughs) So visual information, I'm assuming all sensory, all sensory information is coming to you at one percent. Like that's that's a wild thing, right? Like so, I guess my first question for you with this whole thing is like, would you take that drug? Like, would you try it out? You know, uh, right now, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: like <laughs> if maybe you'd ask me when I was years. a dumb teenager. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I probably would have said maybe. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it would have depended on. Yeah, definitely something I would have done if if I would have done it, it would have been in those formulas of yeah. like you know, fourteen to twenty one year old
1: years. But anyways, like that's such a wild drugs. But the thing that like i i made several notes on was several scenes that involve the drugs like the bathtub when mama was in it uh oh yeah
0: and that's another cool they bookend so the first scene we see mama in she herself is doing the mm slow-mo while she's in the bathtub and it's really trippy right she's like taking a bath and the water's moving really slow and they even they shot it they overcranked those cameras to do 3000 frames a second or some crazy shit or 300 frames a second and and uh that's how they got it to look so slow and they played that music yes. really slow with the shots and it's got like that hazy effect and you're like oh dang that's that's crazy and but they bookend mama we see her come into the movie on slow mo mm-hmm. And she goes out of the movie yep. on slow mo, so that's that's one of the bookends in the movie that's really fun. There, there's a couple more. We'll
1: get into those. Uh, all the, right. So the breaching charge, or when they breached the drug den. Oh, that part was awesome. And you just see like yeah. all the like the effects of like the bullets going into the body parts and like the jiggling, like all that stuff was really cool. And uh, obviously, the two times where they had the people. Uh, falling from the great heights while on drug. But you mentioned the music and I wrote that down too. And I said like the music just nails that feeling or effect of the drug. Cause it's kind of this like euphoric, but yet obviously like eerie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like this is like not normal and trippy at the same time. So like every time the music was playing in the background, you know, it, I don't know, maybe it was like some kind of like violin or some kind of, I don't know what it is, but it was just something, you know, euphoric. And it just hit that feeling that you were supposed to feel with that drug. Right. So, um, I, I just like, I really liked the idea or the whole, you know, plot device of the slow-mo drug throughout the whole movie. Like it really pushed it forward. It really provided a good, um, Juxtaposition for Mama, for Dread, for all these people to advance the story, and I, and I just thought it was really well done um in the terms of the effects because it could have easily been done poorly and would have made the movie quite cheesy and just you know not enjoyable, right? Like we would have like laughed mm-hmm. at it. So you know when you talked about the direction earlier, like that was one of the things that I really felt was like they had to nail and if they didn't nail the drug and the, and the effects of it, then we probably wouldn't be talking about this movie the way it is now. We would have, we'd be laughing at it. Right. So. Possibly. And that, that's actually one of the positive things
0: that came out of the whole 3d camera thing is that gave them um, a reason to make those shots because they could make them so slow. The 3d would work really well. I don't have a 3d TV. But it's that's one of the movies where I'd like to see it in 3D because it sounds like it looks cool. Um, maybe at some point when they get like in home, like hologram hologram TVs or yeah. something, we can have something like that. I don't really want to wear shit on my face. Like, I, the few times I've gone to the theater to see a 3D movie, eh, some have been good, some have been not so good. Um, this one probably, I bet those slow mo scenes would have been pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get to see the theater. I didn't get to see it in 3D. I don't have a 3D TV.
1: I have a 3D TV upstairs, but I don't have the 3D DVD player. Yeah, or that. Oh, um, the
0: so the Blu-ray has the 3D on it. You picked up the 4K, right? Yes. Does the 4K not have
1: the 3D on it? It doesn't say anything. I, I have to go look at okay. the case closely, but I mean, you know, like, but you're right because there's several of those effects that. You know, thinking about when I rewatched it and what you're talking about with the 3D stuff, like that would have played out really well because you probably would see like the the droplets of the water or the glass breaks or the, you know, different thing, you know, things flying through the air. Like you might be able to see the mm-hmm. depth of those things, which would be kind of really cool to maybe witness in a more 3D environment than a obviously 2D uh the v- viewing experience from a tv so yeah but no that slow mo drug like they i like i said i think it was done right and it add to the movie's experience and didn't take away from it at all cuz there's so many other great things that happened throughout the movie so that was one yeah. of the big things so on, on a
0: side game. note to the to the slow mo and the 3d uh when they were doing you know, pre-production and coming up with the music, uh, there was a uh, unofficially altered Justin Bieber song that served as the inspiration for the slow mo theme. Um, Portishead instrumentalist Jeff Barrow sent it over to Garland, um, where he slowed down this song eight hundred times, and it became this stunning, trippy choral music and they kind of use that inspiration to make the slow-mo music so the slow-mo music is based on a justin bieber track that was
1: slowed down 800
0: times
1: that's pretty trippy (laughs) you know what i might listen to that song now when it's been slowed down to 800 times
0: (laughs) right
1: (laughs) yeah i also like like i was talking about earlier with um
0: the suits the costume design the mm-hmm. motorcycles everything was a lot more grounded in reality and for me that really helped me buy the story a little bit more like as much as i love the original source material of the comics their comic books can do crazy things visually that's hard to accept in live action they tried to bring a lot of that to life in the 1995 film and some of it worked and some of it didn't work like like I think the costume in the 1995 film for his being as comic book accurate as as it is is pretty hideous. The costume in the 2012 film that the judges wear, basically, the whole world is kind of more gritty, dirty, and real looking. And especially the judges' costume basically looks like basically like tactical SWAT team gear. Right? They have like this big combat jacket and boots and different kinds of guards and thick gloves, and their radios are built into. They're uh, wrist guards and you know, they have this helmet that's bulletproof. There's a scene earlier in the movie where where uh, dread says to Anderson, when they get into Peace Trees, he's like, I noticed you didn't bring your helmet. And she's like, Well, it blocks my ability to to use my uh psychic powers. And Judge Dredd says, Well, bullets gonna block your ability to yeah. live. <laughs> that was a pretty good line from Judge Dredd. Um, so I, I really appreciated that. And then, like I said, I feel like in that way, the movie improved the original world's design because I felt like that, to me, that made more sense to have that design. Um, and I, I thought they did a good job adapting the Lawgiver. It, it looked like a standard firearm that they had modified and not some kind of... The original Lawgiver and the very original... 77 release of the Judge Dread comics was pretty like Star Wars lasery blaster looking kind of a thing. Um, so that was definitely something cool. Um, and there's a bunch of like Easter eggs for long, long time like dread comic book readers. Um Domal Gleason that played the computer guy. So we're gonna I'm gonna get into some major spoilers on Dread himself. So um you know Dom Hill Gleason's character the hacker he had those computer eyes
1: mhm
0: uh dread has eyes like that too he was he had to be modified after he got a bad virus and he's actually a clone of one of the original judges who was one of the best judges of all time and he was genetically modified and he has a twin brother they had that in the 95 movie yep. Rico um but Dredd himself is is heavily modified, genetically enhanced. He has those robotic eyes. He can see things super fast, and uh, he ages slower than a normal person does. Um, and he's protected, like he's protected by the law for that reason. But it's because he's almost like brainwashed. Like he can't not be a judge. <laughs> he's he was like designed for that. Um, he doesn't really have free will. Which is kind of part of the fun of the satire. The original comic was supposed to be kind of a satire on total, kind of totalitarian governments, right? Now it it's kind of crazy how how much that has progressed in our real world. And then the other one of the other neat bits of trivia is the original '87 uh, RoboCop took ton of inspiration from the original Dread Comics. Even one of RoboCop's lines, where he says, "Dead or alive, you're coming with me." That was a that was a line from a Judge Dread comic. <laughs> so there's a lot of uh, Judge Dread, and I feel like the '87 RoboCop helped influence this newer 2012 Judge Dread. But uh, and then in, in the in the comics, Anderson and and Dread become a thing later on, and there's a whole bunch of other crazy storylines involving aliens and all kinds of stuff i don't know if they'd ever get in into that in uh the movies i don't think it would have been interesting to see where they where they would have where they would have gone i did like like this the thing i liked about this was a very grounded like day in the life of of uh judge dread like duty like life of life of a judge on duty yeah
1: I mean, it was one day, right? It, it was right. <laughs> you know, morning when we meet Judge Dredd riding his motorcycle after some, some, some dudes in a van, and then, you know, by the time the movie ends, the sun's rising on the next day. You know, so yeah, it it was definitely a, you know, I I kind of enjoy that bit of storytelling. Like sometimes when you get these you know, stories that last months or weeks Super origin you know, stories or that go on forever. Yeah. Like it just, it's a really long period of time from the beginning to the end of the movie. Like you kind of obviously miss a lot of details that go through it. I mean, not that, you know, we need to see every moment of their life. Cause you know, we don't need to watch our superheroes or whatever, take a piss, but you know, it was just, it's nice knowing that this was a very compact story and the timeline matches that, right? We it's not like we missed yeah, anything. Yeah, and it also um, yeah, the
0: movie's very tight. It's it's an hour and 35 minutes and it to me it was a a definite like nod and possibly even a throwback to like John Carpenter like Assault on Precinct 13. It's just a very tightly
1: knit you know straight straight to the point i like i love both of those movies i mean the, the original and the remake so but yeah right but i just mean like it you know there's not it seems like more
0: and more current the current crop of releases right now at the box office you'd be hard pressed to find a movie that wasn't uh under two hours and if it's uh if it's supposed to be like an epic superhero action movie thing it's probably two and a half to three hours right now so it it was nice to watch something that was like i remember when i threw it in uh for this episode i threw it in and i was like i'm already halfway through the movie what the heck i was like oh this movie's only an hour and 35 minutes long this is awesome
1: well i mean because
0: i I do feel like certain times with current movies they
1: drag certain scenes out for no reason yeah i mean you have like Six main characters- or six characters that you're really dealing with in the story. You have Anderson, Dread, Mama, then her lieutenants, K, uh, K, Caleb for half a minute seems like, and then uh, the hacker guy that you, you've talked about, yeah, several played times. by Dominic Gleason. Yeah. And then
0: there's also the uh, the guy that runs the medic bay. He has a little bit of a part
1: in the movie, but it, it's very tight knit. Like it's not like every character is is part of the plot in a way that is meaningful right and you know i just really enjoyed the storytelling piece i mean and the and like also the setting right the whole like mega city one is such a it seems like such a foreign concept but like at the same time it seems like we're close like inching the gap closer to those kind of things right (laughs) our society is starting to you know become more urbanized and people are moving more to the city and the cities keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and not to say that we'll get there where we're stretching from like new york city to washington dc along the coast but you know it is such a real place that this we spend all this time inside of peach trees this one tower and you get that vibe of how massive mega city one is from this one place. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have all these different kinds of people. You have all the different walks of life there. And uh one of the things that like, I, I took a note on was like, they had this like no lo- loitering sign out in front of <laughs> yeah, dude, that the entrance. amazing. <laughs> and, you know, they're talking about how like 95% of the people in there are below poverty level uh, or unemployed or, you know, whatever it was. Oh,
0: yeah. Kind of like where we're going right now. Yeah.
1: And so, like, they're talking about all this stuff. And then there's this no loitering side. And there's just people sitting around doing nothing all over the place inside the lobby, inside the, you know, the entryway. And then there's something. Yeah. And there's that guy
0: that the, the vagrant that, uh, yeah, the vagrant and he says he will uh he will defame himself for, for food or money. Yeah. And Dred says, Don't be there when I get back, or you're gonna get the ice cubes.
1: And, yeah. And then there's a moment with him as you know the movie progresses that continu that just is like a shocking, like, you know, oh shit moment, right? Yeah. Um so but yeah, it, I mean, it's such a it's a fun movie and there's so much in it to like you know, go back, like you said several times, like, you know, every time you see it, you get a little bit more and you get that laugh from it. Or, you know, you're like, oh, shit, that was a really cool moment that I didn't catch before. Um, you know, the whole conversation between Dread and one of the bad guys, uh, like early on in the movie when they're trying to get to the medic station. Like, I just always thought that was such a, you know, interesting back and forth and you know dread just all of a sudden like he's counting down and then the guy go guy says something along the lines of like you know you have five seconds or something to like cut dread off and the dread just goes well thank you and then thanks for the heads yeah up. Yeah. He yeah just goes <laughs> just launches their assault right
0: yeah the 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 right the dialogue is very very fun and very witty there's a scene in the beginning of the movie when He's with uh, Anderson. He's like, You ready? You don't look ready. And she's like, Oh, it's just the adrenaline. He's like, We better get ready. And then near the end of this day, he asks her the same thing after they both kind of banged at the ring. He's like, Are you ready? She just nods at him. He's like, You look ready. And then they go in and take out Mama's gang. It's little things like that that are really fun in the movie with the script. They did a really good job with that stuff.
1: Yeah. It- it's an awesome movie. I mean, if you haven't seen, it, I mean, I can't imagine if you're listening to this episode, n- not have seen it. But I implore you to watch it at this point if you haven't. Yeah,
0: I definitely feel like it's a it's a hugely unknown, underrated. It's definitely like a cult movie. It's it's going to go down. I feel like some of the early John Carpenter work, like this is going to be something like Assault on Precinct Thirteen, where you know five, ten, fifteen, twenty years from now, people somebody will. Somebody's friend will go, Oh man, my friend told me about this old movie Dread and then they watch and go, Holy cow, it was awesome. And they tell another friend and you because know, I mean that's when I grew up, that's kinda how it was. Somebody would say like, Oh, have you seen this one? No, and you'd go and see it. Or your friend would have it on video, or you'd go rent it at the video store. They don't have those anymore. Uh you go rent it on on Amazon Prime or something. Uh, so you can watch it. Back in our day we had to actually like, you know, yeah. get in a walk or skateboard, get on your BMX. Well maybe I, we were lucky you'd get a ride to the video store.
1: You know, we talked about at the front of the of the show, right, where we've you had experience with the comics and then the 95 movie. But you were like, "Ah, eh, I'll wait for the DVD or whatever on this new, on the 2012 version." And then I had the well, same then, it wasn't right? It
0: wasn't playing anywhere. No, I wanted to see the 2012 in the theater. Oh, okay. was, it didn't it, it it wasn't playing anywhere when I wanted to see it, and if it did, or for whatever reason, it was only like on one screen. I couldn't make it. It was something weird like that where it oh, yeah. was not easy to go see
1: it. Probably, I had pretty much had to wait for the video. It probably died in theaters. Like I would, I would have to look it up. But yeah,
0: supposedly that's what happened yeah. because they were really pushing the 3D, and a lot of people didn't want to see 3D, so a lot of theaters weren't doing the 3D. Plus, it was more expensive for the theaters oh, yeah. to
1: do 3D. Well, yeah, I mean, I would imagine. At least the boat I'm in in terms of initial uh desire to see it, uh, was the same people, like I said, that I, you know, saw their 95 version, was like, eh, whatever. You know. Right, yeah. And yeah, if you're remaking a, a movie
0: that wasn't so great, I can see that. Like how you're like, yeah, I don't know. And especially if you don't know the character. For me from the first when I saw the initial previews and I saw that they were going to be a lot more faithful to the original source material,
1: I was like, Oh man, that's going to be yeah. awesome. You know? I really do hope there's somebody out there that is like a diehard 1995 dread fan. And you know, judge dread fan was still alone. And like they hear this episode and they just rake us over the coals on Twitter or something. And like, how dare you? Yeah, you, you can know. rake
0: us over I would love, the coals on
1: Twitter. I would love to have that futurist, debate.
0: Futurist Retro on Twitter. <laughs> at Futurist Retro. If you want to rake us over the coals. I, I, I feel like it's going to be that way around. But, ah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, all right, Finn. It's been a lot of fun. This is definitely, I, I definitely agree with you. I think if you haven't seen this movie, see it. If you have friends that are even remotely interested in dystopian future sci-fi stuff that haven't seen this or are looking for a little bit different of an action movie, um, it's definitely not for kids. It's it's that's why I oh, mean, it very much not. reminds me of an old school John Carpenter movie. Uh, it's violent, <laughs> it's dark, you know, uh, it's gritty, and it's not for the it's definitely not for the faint of heart. Um, it has a pretty cool soundtrack, really well directed. Well-lit, well-written, well-acted. Uh, the casting's great. The visuals are amazing. Um, it was shot in a lot of the same locations that District 9 was shot in. So there's a there's a couple shots. And the, the cool thing was, one of the things I liked about Dread is they took just the real city backdrops and they just added the CG mega blocks on top yeah. so that they had like real lighting. It really makes it look well. Like you don't, it doesn't look totally phony like some movies where they create full digital cities. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and I'll just say here that we'll probably get to district nine on the RFC at some point in the next year. It's on my stack. So if anybody wants to come talk about district nine, hit me up on Twitter futurist retro
1: you're talking about yeah, the neil Boncap movie. yeah
0: right? oh i love oh, that yeah. movie i love well that maybe movie. it'll be you Finn. <laughs> maybe it'll be you and somebody else all right everybody well this has been another awesome episode of the rfc where we were talking about the 2012 movie dread starring carl urban um, thank you for listening to the retro futurist culture a production of rubinations radio network Please subscribe, rate, and review our show. We would love to connect with you on our social media via Twitter at Futurist Retro. Visit RuminationsRadioNetwork.com for additional great shows such as Ruminations of Red Rum, Oh God, It Hurts, Cinephile Hissy Fits, Brevity Box, the original Ruminations from the Red Room, and support Ruminations Radio Network at our Patreon.com ruminationsradio And for all your burning questions and feedback, drop us a line at ruinationsradio at gmail.com. All right, Finn. Thanks so much, sir. Thank you. you. Good night. You as well. You've been listening to another fine, fine podcast on the Rumination Radio Network. This is Game Agent E.T. from
1: Oh God, It Hurts!
0: And we hope you keep on listening to our fine, fine podcast here on ruminationsradionetwork.com.